You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. began to think about what it was God wanted to say and what he wanted me to speak about today. And all I kept saying was, Lord, I just want you to speak. I just want it to be your words. Nothing of myself. And ironically enough, he said, yes, but I want you to tell your testimony. Because then the lesson in scripture that I have will make sense. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want it to be about me. Ah, but a testimony is not about you. A testimony is about what God has done and what he has done in you. And all of that then relates to the truth, which is Jesus. And it relates to the words that he has to say in scripture. But before we get started in that, I at least thought it might be good that you know who the heck I am. That's a good start. My name is Brian Warwick, and I'm one of the elders here at ECC. My beautiful wife, Nancy, and our four wonderful children have been going here for over 11 years. Well, Isaiah's seven, so technically his whole life. And it's been a blessing. I love this community. I love being here, and I love what God's doing. I've seen so many changes, growth, and maturity in this body, and God is doing great things for his glory. My wife wanted to move, and we were looking for a home, and she said, I'd like to move in the country. And I said, honey, I work in IT. Do they have internet? (laughs) And they do, thankfully. Thankfully, they have internet. So that's a little bit about my personality there. If I make quips and things, it's just because it's just a blessing to see God move, even when we're like, yeah, but I don't know about that God. He says, I do. So we move out here, and it's been a blessing ever since, and I am very grateful to be a part of this church and part of this body. And so today's message, the message that's been on my heart for several months now, has to do with equipping the saints. It has to do with the weapons of our warfare. It has to do with our battles. Anybody face battles? Every day. And the battles that we face aren't always things that we necessarily understand. Some battles are health. Some battles are in our environment and things like that. But the battle starts somewhere else, and we're going to get to that. So these weapons of our warfare are something that God has equipped us with, and therefore, through him, they're strong to accomplish his goals. And so, again, he said, tell your testimony. I said, okay, I've got about 35, 40 minutes, Lord. You sure about that? And he said, yes, okay. All right, so I'll tell my testimony. When I was about six years old, life was pretty normal. Six-year-old boy who lived with a mother and a father who had a little brother, and and we all just lived in the house, and everything was going the way it was going. We weren't going to church. We were just a home family. And at age six, something happened. Divorce happened. Hmm. He wants us to be real, doesn't he? So divorce happened at age six. At age six, you're confused. You're like, I don't know what happened. Why is this happening? Is this something I did? Did my parents not want to stay together? What's going on? And a lot of confusion. And so 
What begins to happen when we experience things like divorce is little things start to show up in our mind and our thought patterns, in our heart. And these affect us positively sometimes, but in this case, very negative. And so I didn't know what was going on. And I began to have these patterns in my mind. I began to wrestle with them. And then by age seven, my mom's taking me to church because at age seven, I don't have a choice. So she's going to church. I'm going to church with her. And in a little church called Maranatha up in North Dayton area where I grew up, it was a church in a field with a gravel parking lot and drive, had the long wooden pews, smell of old hymnals and Bibles. I remember that. White walls and plaster ceilings, big wooden beams going across the top. I was sitting in one of those pews. Ah, thank you, Jesus. And the pastor spoke a message about Jesus. I'm age seven, so I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, I'm crying. But I knew I needed that Jesus. And so he changed me, grabs a hold of my heart, and he starts to push me forward, closer to him. And I just wanted to read his word. I just wanted to know Jesus. My life was still weird, still broken, but he showed up. A couple years go by, and he's moving in my life, sort of highlighting things in Scripture. I still have that old Bible. I look at it sometimes, and what I highlight, I'm like, I don't even know what God was saying to me at age nine, but he was saying something, and it meant something then, and he... And I heard a voice, and a voice in my heart and my head at the same time said, there are a lot of hurting children in the world, and I want you to help them. Age nine, okay. I'll do whatever you ask, God. I'm going to do it. And so I began to serve and find ways in ministry to be involved. And yet I still dealt with those thought patterns. I still wrestled with, why are my parents separated? Why is my home seem broken? But I'm going to keep trusting God. And so at age nine, I'm doing that. And a couple years go by, and I'm serving in the church. I'm helping out wherever I can. Orphanages, I mean, I'm nine years old. They're going to take me with, you know, adults, thankfully. They didn't send me on a mission or anything at age nine. So I'm involved. And then around age 11, another thing happened that was out of my control. I had new adults enter my life. My parents remarried. And just to preface this, I love my stepmother and my stepfather very much. But at age 11, that wasn't what I wanted. At age 11, that was opposite. I want everything fixed. And when we face things in life at any point, and we want it a certain way, and it doesn't happen the way we expect, we can get angry, frustrated, asking God, why? Why am I dealing with this? This isn't what I thought you were going to fix or do, and he didn't. So new struggles entered my mind, new attitudes and behavior. I wanted nothing to do with God. I didn't reject his existence. I didn't deny Jesus. I said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done with all this, and I became rebellious, angry. And going into my teen years, emotions and all of those other things that go on, hormones and whatnot, didn't make it any easier became very angry, and new battles and new things began to form. I'm going to do what I want because I want to. 
I got angrier. And eventually, got so to the point that I didn't like where I was living, I said, I'm going to go live with my dad. I'm going to leave my mom and go live with my dad. Because you know what? I bet it'll be a lot easier there. I bet you the battles won't be as bad. Maybe when I get there, I'll be able to do what I want. And, you know, my dad's cool. He's going to let me do what I want. Guess what? Dad had rules too. And I realized that wherever I went, I was still there. The battles were still there. Again, I got more frustrated. I kept down the same path, ignoring all that. And at age 18, got kicked out of my house. God said I had to be vulnerable today, so... kicked out of my house and rightfully so I wasn't a very good kid and uh, at that time pretending to be an adult at age 18 lived in basements and buddies bedroom floors when their parents were nice enough for me to stay there I always kept a job somehow that was a miracle that was God for sure kept a job because you know I had to supply all my partying and earthly desires and I wanted to keep doing that went down bad paths. But thank God for praying mothers and fathers because all those prayers helped. All those prayers did something. At age 22, I'm sitting in my buddy's basement battling with all these things, pretending like they didn't exist, acting like an ostrich. An ostrich will stick its head in a hole when it wants to get away from its enemy as if somehow by not seeing the enemy... The enemy goes away. No, it doesn't work that way. The enemy's still there. And at age 22, I'm sitting there in a smoke-filled room in in an apartment, and we're all hanging out. I'm sitting on this couch, and that voice, hmm, that voice speaks again to my heart and my head, and it says, Is this how you want to live? And I said, no, I'm I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I hate these battles. Kind of hate myself. And he said, okay, time to change. So I went back to church, rededicated my life at age 22, long hair and all, got baptized on a Mother's Day. Mom was happy about that. It was a beautiful thing. I kept seeking God. I said, I just want to serve. And I, and I started going to church, Dayton Living Word Church up in Vandalia, Ohio, Pastor Pat Murray, who is still teaching there today. Wonderful man. And I heard the word of God like I hadn't heard before. And I was watering trees on Saturday because I just wanted to serve. But you know what was funny in all of that? I was getting involved and I was taking class and I was, I was going to college for the second time because I dropped out the first time. Big shocker. And... I got in there and I started learning, and yet these battles were still in my life. I was saved, and yet I still was dealing with anger, temptation, frustration. Why was I still dealing with all this? What was going on? Why could I not shake this? And two things God showed me at this particular point in the journey, and I believe it's what he wants to share with us today again, or at least me again anyway, 
but his word. His word that tells us about the weapons of our warfare, about how everything we deal with, everything that we're dealing with in our life, these struggles and these battles, there's a place where it starts. It may manifest itself physically. You may see it in the way you act. You may hear it in what you say. You may see it in other people, right? Those battles are there, but it starts somewhere. Our position within the battle starts somewhere, and here's a hint. It starts somewhere. So let's look at this scripture first, because God taught me a way to look at scripture to deep dive into scripture in a way I'd never seen before. And I'm going to share this with you today. And I want the Holy Spirit to speak. So let's read this together, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get started. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, or not carnal, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, anoint my lips to speak only what you want me to say. Anoint everyone's ears and hearts to hear and understand what your Holy Spirit is gonna speak to us. May you be glorified. May you receive all glory. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to fight these battles with you empowering us. Because Lord God, it's only for you. It's not anything to do with us. We love you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I had a stool up here, but it's becoming more of just a hazard. I just keep going around it, really. So I'll sit down. Thank you, Zeke, for helping with that. So as we look at this scripture, it, it talks about weapons. It talks about what we walk around in and this body and we deal with things. But how are we going to look into the scripture in a new way? How, how do we break this down? And even though we deal with daily battles and everything we experience, addictions, sicknesses, thought, power, thought patterns, negativity, all of that, we deal with that stuff every day. And my mom used to say, refuse to dwell on the neg negative. That's a mental choice. Refuse to dwell on the negative. It takes action. I have to do something in that battle. I have to refuse. I have to do something. Again, don't be the ostrich. Apparently, that's going to be a theme for some reason. But Jesus did something before all of this could even happen. Jesus defeated three things that we could not do. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. You see, not you or I could die for our sins. Not you or I could pay the, the penalty of sin. So separation from God was inevitable. Death was inevitable. Damnation, hell, torment was inevitable for the punishment of sins. Not because God created it for you and me. He created it for the sin and for the enemy. So Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave, this darkness. So when we understand that, that means we still got other things we have to fight because scripture tells us to be equipped, that we have weapons, that we have armor. I mean, I've checked out a lot of military groups and they wear armor for a reason. They have weapons for a purpose. 
so do we. We have weapons, weapons for a purpose. So let's like a, take a look at the first piece. And this is where the part you get to take notes, if you feel like it. If you feel like taking notes. notes. Something I learned called an exegesis. It's a biblical exegesis. It is a Greek word that means to lead out. It's a critical interpretation of Scripture. So when I'm looking at this Scripture, the set of verses, I want to understand what it says. I want to apply it to my life. You see, the thing about this deeper understanding that we want to gain is that it'll open up Scripture in a new way, and it did for me. I began to look at each piece differently. Now, you don't have to do this all the time. You wake up in the morning, you read your daily verse, you pray on your way to work. Don't try to do an exegesis while you're driving. Don't recommend that at all. You can maybe break it down in your mind, but don't do cross-referencing and things like that. But it still applies to you. Scripture is living. The Word of God is a living thing. And let me give you an example. You and I could read a part of Scripture, right? We could read something today. Let's say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a wonderful verse. We all hear the verse. It encourages us. The Holy Spirit will use it to encourage us and speak to us. It's powerful. But today, I'm dealing with something. Today, I'm struggling, a battle. My weapon needs sharpened, prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? It's spiritual. So that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, applies differently to me today because I am struggling with something. I need his strength. But maybe a month from now, I'm really not struggling. I see the verse again, and it's just encouraging, right? Same meaning, different application wherever you are. That's the power of the Word of God. That's one of the pieces of the Word of God that's so powerful. It always means what it says, but it applies differently where you are. And that's important. Because when we start talking about this scripture, diving even more, trust me, you're thinking about the battles you deal with. I am. You are talking about weapons that I need to fight against those battles. You're thinking about those. And Scripture is living, and it applies to us in every situation. This did help me to grow closer to God. So how do we start? Where do we go? What's the first thing you should do? This is the first piece, context. You ever heard the phrase, context is everything. And so when we're reading Scripture, we're reading this particular section of verses, 2 Corinthians, talking about weapons, we want to know the who, the what, and the why. Have you ever watched a movie, read a book, and you had no idea who the characters were or the setting or the environment or the story? It's really uncomfortable and doesn't make it any, any way enjoyable. My wife is an avid reader. She's amazing. She's read more books than I ever will through eternity, I'm sure. And she said many times, like, I have no idea what the writer's trying to tell me here. There's no context. You ever watched a short TikTok video or social media post? You see two guys fighting and fire in the background. Maybe police are cruising on by. And you're like, what the heck's going on? You have no context. We need to have context in Scripture. So in this Scripture, we dig into deep understanding. We're going to see how the same goes when we dig deeper into the Word of God. The who, the what, and the why. In 2 Corinthians, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. 
Paul, if you know who Paul is, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was just there in Corinth speaking with the church due to some issues, which I'll talk about in a second. And Corinth was a haven, if you will, a center place for the worship of the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Do you know who Aphrodite is? Aphrodite is the goddess of sexual love and beauty, lust, vanity. So here's the church in the middle of Corinth. So imagine Vegas times five, right? That's one of the best analogies I can give because I've been to Vegas and that's about right. So they're in the middle of all this. They're dealing with struggles, battles. There's that same theme. They're dealing with this fight because they've got the Romans here. They got the Greeks over here and their very outward worship of this goddess. When I mean outward, I mean in public. And they have the Jews trying to kill them. They're after them. And what happens in Corinth, just to give more context, is this church there begins to hear false teachings. Some men and women come in and say, this is not how Christian church is supposed to work. Look at Paul. He's not wealthy. He's not rich. He doesn't speak very well. Is he really supposed to lead? And they began to listen and kind of accept that. You ever heard that in modern day church? How do you know God's moving? You're out of debt. How do you know God's moving? You're never sick. Hmm. So they started to believe that. And so Paul has to go back in his painful in-person visit. Why did he do that? To humble them. See, don't listen to false teachings that creates more struggles, more battles, more strongholds in your life and in the church. It creates division which is not good. Only thing you need to recognize, the only credentials you need is Jesus Christ. Everything he said, that's your credentials. That's all you need. That's how church works. Don't listen to outside influence. So now we have the contents. Let's start breaking this down. Start breaking it down. The first thing you can do, context is always first. The second thing you can do and the next few items, by the way, you can interchange them however you feel God is leading you. It's cross-reference. Look at other scripture that supports what this one is, that you're reading says. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So we have this body we're walking around in, yet we're dealing with battles. And that was my problem. I didn't recognize the connection between the battles I'm in is my flesh nature that I still have to walk around in. We won't be perfect. We won't be able to say, I've got no more battles in my life when I, until I'm in his presence, until I'm with him. So we're walking around in this flesh. And I did this for this particular study. I kept praying. I said, God, what do you want me to show? What other scriptures do you want me to read? That was the one. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves, arm yourselves, why do we arm ourselves for fighting? With the same way of thinking, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So we have a battle. We're walking around in our flesh. I have to arm myself with the way I think. Again, where's the battle starting? right here. We start thinking differently so that, I love this. This is, by the way, this is 1 Peter. 
He's Peter speaking, so that we no longer pursue what? Human passions. It doesn't say you're never going to struggle. It doesn't say you're never going to be tempted. It doesn't say arm yourselves with thingies so you never have any problems. It just says arm yourselves so that we are prepared to think on the things of Christ, not on the things of human passions. I think it's great that you're here today, Dennis, because I have something that you used to say all the time. The believer loves God and struggles with sin. The unbeliever loves sin and struggles with God. That struck out to me very hard. So thank you for sharing that. And I had it in my notes, so God's good. We struggle with sin when we love God. That's the battle. We struggle with it. That's part of the battle. We're struggling. So what's the next part then? How do we study even deeper? What other pieces, what other tools do we have to use? Look for key words. Context, cross-reference, key words. It starts with a K, not a C, sorry. I couldn't match it. <laughs> key words, what stands out to you? What applies to your life? When you read that, what is the Holy Spirit kind of bringing out in your heart when you read that? You know what sticks out to me is what weapons and what strongholds? The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal, but they have divine power. They're mighty through God to destroy strongholds. So what weapons do I have? We started with some today. This praise, this worship is one of those weapons. If you're struggling, and I know the kind of music I like, so I'm not going to tell you what kind of music to like. Whatever helps you praise. Remember, I had long hair, so if you're a fan of metal, we can talk later. But the praise part is important because what are you doing when you praise? You lift up God. You lift up Jesus. That becomes the focus of your thoughts. You are praising him. You are having a horrible morning. Nothing's working right. You spill coffee on your pants. You're not happy about the day. You're feeling like garbage. You got to go to this. You got to take care of the kids. Whatever it is, praise. Worship him. That's a weapon. What's another weapon? We say it all the time. The battle starts on our knees. We pray. We seek God. We want his presence. I want him to equip me and help me. What other weapons? His word. In Ephesians, it says that we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That cuts through the enemy pretty quick when you start quoting scriptures. My mom used to do that. She'd walk around quoting scriptures when she was having a bad day. Not in the flesh, but they're divinely powerful. They are mighty through God to tear down strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is actually a military term in this particular sense, but it made sense to them. The military term stronghold means a place where an enemy kind of sets up camp, a place where they can attack you from. It is a place dominated by a specific group. Strongholds in our lives. Again, 22-year-old, 23-year-old me struggling. I'm saved. Why am I still struggling? Oh, yeah, the enemy set up camp a long time ago. And it was still there, and I hadn't dealt with it yet. I didn't really recognize it yet, to be honest. 
Sometimes we don't until it's in our face, and I'm tempted to do things, and I'm angry about things. And the enemy wants to create strongholds in our life. He looks to take advantage of our hurts, our anger, and our bad decisions. See, the enemy doesn't care about how you feel. The enemy doesn't even care whether or not you're saved. To be honest, he does want your soul, of course. But you know what? If he can make you ineffective, he's winning again as a Christian. That's why we had to encourage one another and strengthen one another, sharpen our weapons every day. So where does he set up camp? Where does he do this? I've kind of said it a lot already. The fight starts in our mind. It always does. Always does. For we destroy arguments and imaginations and every lofty opinion with these weapons, strengthened by God, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So the next part of this exegesis, this deep dive, is ask questions. How does this apply to me? What do I need to do? How does it apply to my current situation in my life? The fight is in my mind. So I have weapons. I understand them now. I know the enemy has set up strongholds in my mind. What is it that I need to do? I must look into my own mind, into my own heart with God's help and find out where do I have arguments or ideas, imaginations, any other opinion that goes against God, that goes against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, the truth, if it goes against the truth, if it goes against God, if it raises itself up, we need to tear it down and we can. That's encouraging. That encouraged me. I was like, okay, I'm struggling. God's aware. But he gave me equipment and he gave all of us the strength to overcome through his might and through his power so that we can tear these things down so that all of my thoughts will be in obedience to Christ. Speaking honestly, if only that were always true, Amen, right? It's sometimes thoughts come in, you're like, was that me? I don't know if that was me. No, that wasn't me. Okay, good. Because the enemy likes to mess with you. He does. But God allows us to go through this. You know why? Because if I have weapons, if I have armor, I'm not just sitting on the sidelines going, well, this is great. This armor is pretty clean, pretty shiny. No, we're supposed to get dirty. We're supposed to fight and encourage one another in that fight. The fight is in our mind. The way we take our thoughts captive is to obey Jesus is by knowing who he is and what he said and spending time with him. Read what Jesus said. Pray on it, meditate on it. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. You know, an example of a lofty opinion started right in the book of Genesis. Did God really say, Eve, that you would die? That's a lofty opinion. That's a new idea that goes against, raises itself against the knowledge or truth of God. Is it really so bad if I just give in to that temptation today? Is it really that big a deal? Did God really say that I couldn't do this or do that? I've done that. And I'm not intentional, not maliciously like, hmm, 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 I want to get against God. It's that thought. I'm here to encourage you when you spend time in God, with God, and through Jesus' words, I tell you, 
Your thoughts start to change and your obedience factor gets in. The conviction is there. It's healthy. It's good. It reflects inside of yourself what you need God to work on, but there's no guilt. You realize you just got to work on that. You're in the battle. So to what end? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of all everything Paul's just said? Everything the Word of God is talking to us about where the battle is, how we're walking around in this body, and he's given us weapons to overcome. But what's the purpose? Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. It's a really tough scripture. It's really tough. <laughs> Amen. I heard Kevin, he's like, mm-hmm. He knows what I'm talking about because there is context to the message that Paul is saying in writing. There's also context to our personal life. And there's context within the body of Christ. It's relevant. It applies. And I pray with God's help, I will do my best to speak the truth on this. May he speak the truth on this. All right. Punish every disobedience. We have weapons. We are equipped. They're mighty through God. They're tearing down strongholds in our mind. We're becoming obedient to Christ. That's the point. That's the purpose. Paul had just gotten back from Corinth because they were listening to false teaching. They allowed division in the church, and he went to reprimand them. He went to punish or discipline the disobedience. I'm telling you, sometimes that happens in the body of Christ. The enemy doesn't look at the church and say, oh, that's ECC over there. I'm not going to go in there and try to cause division. I'm not going to go and mess with them. They're fine. You know, they're not super effective or whatnot. In fact, I'd be probably a little more worried if he wasn't trying to do something. Maybe we aren't being super effective, right? But the revenging of disobedience or punishing of disobedience starts first with you and I. When my obedience is complete, when I am following Jesus, when I am spending time with him, I need to look into myself and say, okay, where am I disobedient? Where do I need to deal with myself and get rid of something? Because once you do that, even if you're struggling, even if the battle continues, it does not mean you're perfect. It just means you're humble and you want Jesus to help you fight that thing. Get that disobedience out of your life. Work on it. It's not always easy, but God is always good. He just came back from reprimanding them. He deals with division in the church. They exiled those who were teaching false teachings. That's how it happens in the body of Christ, and that's what happened then. Think about people you know who went to church and were probably hurt by somebody at some point. Misusing scripture or spiritual gifts or even speaking heresy. And people don't want to go back to church because they're like, I didn't like that. That wasn't God. That didn't feel loving. That's part of our battle too as a church is to make sure that we reflect Jesus and nothing else. That we stand up for what's true and we don't back down. You see, we're not called to fight a fight of physical fighting when it comes to defending our faith. If someone comes up to you and says, oh, you Christian spits on you, whatever, you're not supposed to lash out physically because of that. You represent Jesus. However, the truth is, 
especially talking to you dads and your husbands. I say this with all kindness, but genuineness. You are called to protect the innocent in your family. You are called to stand up, and you may have to stand in the gap and lay your life down for another. Are there any military personnel? Anybody active or retired? Any police? Please raise your hand if you're Police, first responders? First of all, thank you. Thank you so much for your service and what you've done. Because you wreck, yes, clap for them. Thank you. Thank you. Because you recognize that there was a point in time where you were called to maybe stand and do something. You may have to fight something physically to protect the innocent. And the battle that we deal with spiritually, everything that we see here, as we look to being obedient to Christ, we will not be effective in punishing our own disobedience or standing up for what's right, fighting the good fight of faith until we've got all of our weapons recognized and sharpened every day and ready for that battle every day. Scripture tells us that we are supposed to die to ourselves daily, put our flesh to the side, pick up the cross, and follow him. Do exactly what Jesus did. So we are equipped for battle. That scripture, first one up there, I apologize, is John 16, 33. Very encouraging to read the words of Jesus. Always. Sometimes it's hard to accept the things he says because he always speaks truth and sometimes that hurts. You know, we don't want to hear the truth. But I have said these things to you, speaking to his disciples, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. I have overcome the world. So here I am, 23-year-old me, with all my baggage that I just laid out for all of you, all this baggage, all these struggles, all these battles, trying to figure out, I'm saved. Why am I still struggling? He plops this set of Scripture in front of my face. He teaches me how to break down Scripture, which I pray now you will do the same. And he says, but don't worry. I've overcome the world. I will give you the strength you need to overcome those battles. If Jesus Christ overcomes the world, which he has, and you have dedicated your life, received him, you are equipped to overcome every battle. Every. Does it mean you won't stumble? Let's be real. You're going to stumble. And you're going to get back up, and he's going to pick you up. He's going to dust you off. And your armor's got dings all over it. You might even have a fiery dart stuck in your side because I didn't bring my shield up fast enough. It happens, but he's overcome the world. That encouraged me so much. I pray it encourages you because as you break that down and you realize you don't have to do it on your own, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do this by myself. We need to do this together at ECC, in Blanchester, in Ohio, Wherever God's called you, he's put you here for a reason to fight these things, to fight these battles in yourself and in the, in the community you're in. What shall we say then to these things? Paul is speaking to the church in Rome. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Which another way to say that is, nothing can be against you if God is for you. Death doesn't mean anything to us. In fact, if it means anything at all, it means I get to be in the presence of Jesus a lot faster. I'm okay with that. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid of these battles. We don't have to be the ostrich. There's that ostrich thing again, Lord. We don't have to stick our head in a hole and pretend like it's not there. In fact, we need to look at that and say, because of Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. Because of Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You, he has overcome the world. We love you, Lord, so much. So, get the context. Do some cross-referencing. You can do that on your Bible apps. You can do it in the Bible. Look for key words that stick out to you. What, what is God saying to you as you read that scripture? How does this relate to me? And what is its purpose? And I pray that if you take that approach, that the Lord will open up your eyes and your hearts to see what he's saying in every area of scripture. There's some pretty wild scriptures out there. Pretty wild history. We were talking about it on Thursday night group, um, my community group, and we were talking about Elijah and Elisha. If you're not familiar with the scene, Elijah's about to go to heaven, and you're reading this, and you're thinking, how does this relate to me? Elijah just went up in a cherry fire that shot out of the sky and picked him off the ground, and Elisha just standing there, receives the mantle, is like, I'm going to go keep on preaching. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. So maybe it's just a moment of Wow. But just deep dive into this, especially this piece for today's message. I just want to encourage you and encourage us all, because I was really encouraged. The last few months, equipping the saints and fighting this fight, this battle, has been on my heart. He dealt with me first. And it's been such a blessing to be up here today, to be with you today. I really, really want to say how grateful I am for all of you being here, being part of this community. We are all soldiers in this fight. King Jesus has he's won the war. And we're going to keep fighting the battles. Because if one more person comes to Jesus because of our obedience, then praise God for his glory. If the band could come up and begin to wrap up, there's one more verse that, you know, God's, God's so good. You're sitting there praying in the morning. You're getting ready for your day, and I'm thinking about this. I'm like, Lord, I just want to speak what you want me to speak, you know? And, and I, I mean, I, I've done a lot of public speaking in my life. I enjoy it. I love teaching and all of that. There's just something different when you start teaching about Scripture because then you get really quickly focused on, like, I just want to say the right thing. I don't want to say anything about my opinions. I promise you, if there's anything I say ever to you that's like my opinion, I'll preface it with it. This is just my opinion. But when it's the truth of God's word, it means what it says. It applies to every one of us. Yes. And this scripture, as I was praying this morning, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to do every good work. 
equipped. You are equipped. We have weapons. We have armor. We're in a battle. And we are a family. We're going to take care of one of the brothers and sisters in Christ because of what Jesus has done. Father, I just pray you take these words that you've said, that you would bless everyone here. Help us, Lord, to be equipped for every battle. Help us to spend time with you, sharpen our weapons, Lord. And in the end, may you receive all praise and all glory for you are King and you are Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.